THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Hacha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 524, not episode 525. Correct. I had it written, 525, of the 200 Nerd Comic Book Podcast, Nerds. My name is Matt Baum. Nobody needed to know that. You I don't know. need to out yourself in that. I'm way. just letting them know. Well, that's nice of you. Yeah. I'm just... I'm, I'm a screw-up of a man, Joe Patrick. Barely an adult. Sad. Hmm. I am the Internet's Joe Patrick. In this week's episode, we're reviewing eight of Wednesday, March 27th's new comics with a big spotlight review on Detective Comics 1000. It was too big. We had to double team it. We're tag teaming. Not double teaming. Mm. We're tag teaming. Yeah, it's like nine stories. Then it's down to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where ancient magics mingle with our must-read picks for next Wednesday. And finally, we're giving you nerds a sneak peek at our new Patreon segment, Tales Too Terrible to Tell. But... Before we take our victory lap, now that we've been cleared of collusion with the Badoon Empire, we can hold our heads high and we can talk about this week's Nerd News as Freeman. C2E2 is this past weekend and just like last year, we weren't there. Yeah, we don't go anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to walk amongst those peasants. Are you kidding me? Oh, I thought it's because we're too poor. You see those idiots? <laughs> uh, Marvel came out swinging with a bunch of pretty uh, big news items. DC was there, but they mostly did stuff like uh, artist spotlight or portfolio yeah. review, like no big neck news stuff. It was all about like Batman's 80th anniversary. We'll get the, to that later. Yeah, we will. <laughs> uh, the biggest news from Marvel has to be that Writer Jonathan Hickman is returning to the publisher to launch two new X-Men titles starting in July, following the end of the current Age of X-Men story. <sighs> this was announced during the publisher's next big thing. Is panel. this on top of Uncanny and X-Men? Yeah, it's two. Four X-Titles? Two minis. Oh, man. And they will be bi-weekly, so it's going to be a short weekly event. Okay, okay. The two titles are House of X and Powers of Ten, the Roman numeral ten. X. Powers of X. And will mark Hickman's first work for the publisher since the end of Secret Wars in 2016. Pepe Larraz will draw House of X, while R.B. Silva will draw Powers of Ten. I love both those guys. Me too. Marte Gracia will color both titles. The news was accompanied by a promo image by Mark Brooks depicting multiple versions of the X cast, such as what appeared to be a white swashbuckling nightcrawler yeah or maybe he was kind of reddish it was hard to tell yeah yeah wolverine as weapon x the classic george perez beast with the hair i love it and someone who appears to be a resurrected mortar mctaggart or maybe there's time travel involved and an odd mashup of colossus magic and danny moonstar what the frig she had like danny moonstar's braids what yeah it was weird marvel editor-in-chief C.B. Sabolsky said that Hickman's X-Men would mark a new milestone for the team in the vein of giant-sized X-Men number one, Leon Claremont's X-Men number one, Age of Apocalypse, all right, and all right, Grant Morrison's right. X-Men. Yeah, biggest best ever. I get it. Calling these titles <laughs> something totally different for the franchise. Uh, there's a quote where they bend over and kiss Jonathan Hickman's yeah, ass. We don't need to read all that. Okay. Uh, so, there were no details about the story. 
Are you excited about Jonathan Hickman putting his super weird wheels within wheels spin on X-Men? Yes. I am too. Yes. Because I think as he got pretty weird with the Avengers and there were points where he almost lost us because we're like, this just doesn't feel like the Avengers the anymore. Avengers, his Avengers one was very complex. Right. He can get that weird with the X-Men and that is old hat. The X-Men have been doing the weirdest shit in the world for yeah, yeah. years now. Uh, so here's a quote from Hickman real quick. He said, I probably haven't been more proud of anything I've worked on than this. I think all of you will be pretty jacked. <laughs> We're doing some different radical stuff. Two books that you'll have to read both of to stay tuned, but there's a good reason for it. He also said that uh, the other books he's done at Marvel up to this point were fantastic jobs, but they were jobs. This right. was the first book that he's loved before he even started working on it. Wild. So he's passionate about it. I'm into it. I'm excited. I love the artists involved. The promo image was very intriguing. Can't be any less boring than it is now. Yeah, it's, kind of. <laughs> it's gotten better, but it, it's. Uh, I like Uncanny X Men, but it's, it's not kind of great. Weird. It's not it's great. Weird, it yeah. just isn't. It should be great, and it's not. We'll see what happens. In other Marvel news, the publisher has announced several new series featuring fan favorites. And some more obscure characters, such as Silver Surfer Black, a limited series by Donnie Cates and artist Trad Moore. Spinning out the events of Cates, Guardians of the Galaxy will kick off in June. The series is described by Marvel as the culmination of everything Donnie has been writing since his Thanos run. It's going to tell the story, what happened after the Cosmic Heroes got sucked into the black hole in the Guardians of the Galaxy number one. The series length has not been announced. Oh, that's because they all died and it's just going to be the cover. Oh, really? Because they're dead. You just open it up and it's, it's just end. like, hey. yeah. <laughs> fooled you. Yep. <laughs> I don't care what Donny Cates writes. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. And writing Silver Surfer, completely down. And Trad Moore is a perfect artist oh, for yeah. Silver Surfer. Oh, yeah. Trad Moore will be so weird here. Ah, I love it. I, I, I am love excited, it. yes. A new Death's Head title was announced by Marvel at their Women of Marvel panel. The new title will be written by Tiny or Teeny Howard, we still don't know, with art by Kai... Right? K-E-I? Kai? K. Kai. Yeah. We'll call her Kai Zama. And it features a new design for Death's Head and pairs the bounty hunter with Wiccan and Hulkling of the Young Avengers. What? Naturally. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) The book starts out when Death's Head realizes he's not as good as he used to be, said Howard during the announcement. He's told all the newer models, do it better than you. And I was thinking about who would be a good character to pair him with. Wiccan? Wiccan and Hulkling. There you go. Naturally. Of course. Cosmic characters. Right. So if Death's Head isn't giant anymore, I'm going to be pissed. I want him to be He's huge. He's got to be, right? Yeah, He's he has to be, be huge. Yeah, and I hope they make like the makeover part of the story. Yeah. Not just like he shows up looking different. Don't do right. that. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm sick of that shit. I think we're going to get that story. Yeah, if you want to change the costume, fine, but tell me why they changed the costume. Yeah. Valkyrie will get her own series spinning out of Marvel's War of the Realms as announced during the publisher's next big thing panel. The series will be co-written by Thor writer Jason Aaron, who will give Valkyrie a spotlight in his long gestating War of the Realms event, and Immortal Hulk writer Al Ewing. No other details. Ooh, I don't, I don't care. care. I'm sold. Yeah. That, I'm sold by that pairing. Just in time to cash in on that hot, hot Valkyrie pub from Thor 3. Oh, uh, yeah. Just in time. Just in time. <laughs> No, these all this is these all sound great. Yeah, these absolutely. All sound totally great. Uh, I'm definitely on board to at least check out all three. Um, I've enjoyed Tiny Howard. Tiny Howard's probably the like uh, the the biggest question mark, right? In terms of her storytelling, we haven't seen a ton from her. Yeah, I mean, but I will say she's writing everything right now. She's all over the place. Yeah, I think these sound great. I Death said 
I, he is the one character that I love when he shows up, and I don't know totally nothing about Right. <laughs> he, he was a Marvel UK character, right? Yeah, yeah. And he, he was, came over. He's an interstellar bounty hunter. Yeah, he's a space bounty hunter. Yeah, he's a he's, robot. He's gigantic. He's a yeah, robot. Absolutely. Um, I really like that they did this, the women of Marvel panel, and we're not doing another, sorry, you have to only write girls. That's all you're allowed to do. They're letting Teeny Howard write a dude book full of dudes. I mean, he's a robot, but yeah. Yeah, but still, I mean, you're like, there's nothing feminine about the robot. This isn't Jill Casta we're talking about here, you know? <laughs> why do they give him robot boobs? I don't, why? I don't know. Right? It is weird. Yeah, it's pervy, you know? Like, Ultron doesn't have a dick, right? Uh, I don't think so. Right? Maybe. Oof. Finally. I mean, I've, I heard it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess he could if he wanted to. Ultron's packing something different down there, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's bigger than a baby's arm. Hawkman series artist Brian Hitch has announced his departure from the title with May's number 12 as his final issue. DC's June 2019 solicits announced that Will Conrad will be the new artist. That's fine. I like Will Conrad. Will Conrad's great. So here's a quote from Hitch from the Twitters. Okay, well, since solicitations are out and noticed, yes, issue 12 is my last issue of Hawkman. I'd hope to be able to let you all know before solicits came out, but somebody dropped that ball at her office. Oh, under the train! <laughs> Woo! Uh, so, yeah, the Beyond Epic issue 12 is sadly my last issue. Hitch recently reaffirmed his DC exclusivity, uh, and he said that he already has agreed to two more projects with the publisher, both set to debut this year. Rumor has it, one of those projects is a Batman title with writer Warren Ellis. Holy shit. How about that? More on Warren Ellis and Batman later. Yes. Uh, the artist also said that he plans to draw some covers for something related to Ellis's Wildstorm pop-up imprint. Can we stop calling it that? Yeah. I'm uh, done with the pop-ups. In the current... I don't need anything to ever pop up again. No. In the current Wildstorm limited series, a modern-day authority team is being organized, and of course, Hitch co-created the authority with Ellis in 1999. That'd be neato. That'd be neato. I would love it. Uh, yeah. If they revisited that. Oh, uh, so I'm, I'm sad that Hitch is leaving Hawkman. I am. He's not going to be there forever. No. And he's not really an artist known for huge long runs. Right. And a 12 issue run. That's a good chunk of story. A nice. It's yeah. been awesome. And on time. On time. Even? Yeah. Which he's not famous for. No, he is not. Uh, but if these Batman rumors are true, that could be pretty cool. That could be very cool. Oh, oh, I. <clears throat> Ellis doesn't write enough Batman. Yeah, I would love it. I would love it. That is your nerd news for the week, but I'm sure we missed a ton of other stories while reading bad Batman event comics. So <laughs> hit us up on the THN Forum's big news section, or better yet, tune in cover to cover. You can do it live every Saturday. We broadcast on our Facebook page from 1130 to 1230 Central Standard Time. It is like sports talk, but it is for nerds. And... You nerds control the content. So call us at 402-819-4894 or click the call now button on our Facebook page. You cannot be there live. You can always leave a message on our phone line or you can send us an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. A little programming note. We forgot to mention it on Cover to Cover this week, but we will not be having it this Saturday because Matt's out of town. Odotone. Odotone. Yep. He's going to be sleeping with strangers in some it's true. Airbnb. It's true. I hope he doesn't get murdered. Not men, not women, strangers. Strangers. <laughs> it is spotlight review time.
Sam and Ziggurat, where Joe and I were forced to team up. To tag team. One of the biggest comics we've Double ever team. seen. It's Batman's birthday, Joey. Yeah. Let's talk about it. All right. Detective Comics 1000. It's a milestone issue from DC Comics written by Jeff Johns. Scott Snyder, Brian Michael Bendis, Warren Ellis, Pete Tomasi, Christopher Priest, Danny O'Neill, Paul Dini, Kevin Smith, and Tom King. Art by Dustin Wynn, Alex Bailey, Andy Cooper, Kelly Jones, Steve Epting, Tony S. Daniel, Greg Capullo, Neil Adams, and Doug Mankey. That's 96 pages for $9.99. They Holy shabazz. They couldn't squeeze four extra pages in there? I don't for an get even it. Hondo? I don't, yeah, like... Why? Four more pinups, guys. Make it a hundred page giant. Yeah, you know, whatever. I mean, come on. Whatever. Uh, we don't really need to read this. Listen, no, I don't no, think. no. Everybody knows. Uh, it's a milestone, and they're introducing the Arkham Knight from the video games. Blah blah blah. Let's Here take it. Let's just take it story by story. All Go right, ahead. write us in there. As with last year's Action Comics 1000, DC is commemorating Batman's 80th anniversary with this epic collection of stories from a slew of Bat creators from throughout the decades. And again, some of these stories have a fuzzy place in the character's continuity, if they even fit at all. Yes. One of the stories that I hope is in continuity is the lead story by writer Scott Snyder and artist Greg Capullo, which finally sees Batman solve the longest case of his career. I won't get into spoilery details, but Snyder and Capullo add to the mythos and reintroduce some sorely missed characters to the DC universe. They do. I need to talk about this. And I'm, I don't have to I'm, cut it. I'm, I don't think I'm spoiling anything here because no one's going to know if I bring this up. But what did you think about Slam Bradley being there? Isn't that a little odd? Why? Slam's a... He's a detective. Yeah. Would you consider him a Batman-level detective? I mean, he is... Or just, like, a pretty good detective. I mean, the number of characters that DC has that are detectives is probably limited. Everybody else in that room, fine with. That was a little weird. Ah, nah. He's just a dude! I mean, he had to be there. He was in action... He was in Detective Comics number one. Like, dude had to be there. Well, he could be in a different story, I guess. I don't know. Jim Lee returns for the next story. It's a great tale featuring Batman as Matches Malone. Your favorite. Ah. (laughs) More on him later. Finally tracking down a gun that was used to kill his parents and putting it to a more noble use. Joey, how did you feel about this? I thought it was a little dark, but I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I really liked it. And I was surprised to find that it was written by Kevin Smith, who is responsible for some of the dumbest Batman stories from the pre-Flashpoint DCU. It's true. It's true. Next up, we've got Batman, the animated series co-creator Paul Dini coming back with artist Dustin Wynn, introducing Gotham City's most worthless henchmen. Yeah. I thought the story was cute. Uh, I saw the ending coming Completely a predictable. mile away. Completely predictable. Uh, and Wynn's art is normally beautiful, but it did seem a little bit off. Yeah. It, like he was trying to do something cartoony, almost like humorous. Yeah. Sort of. And I don't think it worked really well. I mean, it was okay. Yeah. I, but not what I usually see from him and love. I didn't love this. And I had to look and go, that was him? Really? Yeah. It was strange. Then you get Warren Ellis and Becky Cloonan, who show us just how much preparation Batman puts into every battle. It's pretty good, right? Yeah. I liked it. I liked it too. It was uh, good. I Becky mean, it's Clooney. very. Oh, she's so good. It's very Warren Ellisy. Yeah. In the in the dialogue, yeah. you know, it was. I liked it. It's Becky exactly Clooney what is expect. so good, though. I oh, do love. Becky she's Clooney. great. Legendary writer Denny O'Neill delivers a tale about the negative impact of Batman's violent actions, which features Leslie Tompkins shouting Batman's real name. Yep. In front of a gang of hoodlums. Because she's an idiot, I guess. Good going, Leslie. Yes. Uh, it's the. I have the same problem whenever Batman is in the field and he says Alfred. Yeah. What the fuck? Right. Stop calling him by his name. No one's going to put that together. And sometimes they're like, 
Oh, I think Scott Snyder came up with like Penny One yeah. or whatever, like a code name. Yeah. Totally fine. Yeah. Do not say the word Alfred in yeah. the field. Uh, I do want Steve Epting to just draw everything. I do too. Why did Steve Epting draw her dressed like that? I mean, it was very old timey. More than old timey. Yeah. She's literally dressed like Holly. Like, it like, was like a golden age. Little thing. House on the Prairie almost. Ah, well. But she's got like a weird head thing on. Like, <laughs> it was a, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, it was very old lady. She looked like she's 200. <laughs> you know, she might bizarre. be. We don't know. Uh, so I'm going to talk about this next one because I have feelings. Okay. Christopher Priest teams with iconic bat artist Neil Adams for a story about a murdered assassin. Uh, the ending was confusing. I didn't like this. What was that bit with the wallet? I don't know. Uh, I love Priest. This did not do anything for me. Yeah, I just felt unfinished and weird. Yeah, it was too short. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a weird complaint because it gets the same amount of pages as everything else. Well, but for the buildup, it just... But for the story they were telling, it was just like, not enough time. Yeah, it felt like they cut three pages out of the story and just yeah, went, yeah. end. I didn't dig it. Didn't work. Joe's favorite story it is. in the issue... Was the one by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Alex Mayleave, who should always draw Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Which features a decrepit penguin confronting a seemingly old and feeble Bruce Wayne with a knowledge of his secret identity. And a great little twist at the end. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, I would love more Batman comics from this team. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to get them. So but far future, probably just kind of. Yeah, yeah. They're old men. Throw away. I mean, but it was fun. Yeah, it was absolutely. just fun. Jeff Johns shows us what happens when Batman realizes his dream about a crime-free Gotham. The story is weird. Yeah. Uh, the Kelly, But Kelly Jones' art is the draw here. Uh, if you're a fan of... I thought it was... I am a fan of Kelly Jones. I did not care for this Kelly Jones. Mm, really? It was just a little too wacky. I mean, I just thought it was Kelly Jones, Kelly Jones in it up. <sighs> it, I don't know. I thought it was almost too much Kelly and not enough Jones. Gotcha. You know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? yeah, sure. You know? I hear you. Yeah. yeah it's just, it just like he got a little too much into his own wheelhouse and went blah with it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I also really enjoyed The Precedent by James Tinian the Four and the wonderful Alvaro Martinez Bueno. He was bueno. Muy bueno. This story shows us the moment when Batman first made the decision to take on a young partner. Uh, it also marks the return of the original Robin suit. Yeah. Rather than the retroactively modern nonsense that they've been showing us in flashbacks since the new 52. Yeah, this is Robin in a Speedo, bare legs. Yeah, man. Just like Lego Robin. Just like Lego <laughs> Robin. <laughs> Tom King, Joel Jones, and Tony Daniel deliver a kind of touching story about the larger Bat family. Uh, frankly, I thought the dialogue was kind of obnoxious. It was kind of dumb. Uh, and it was way overbearing. Yeah. It, it, uh, in those pages where it's just Bruce. Right. And there's a dozen other characters talking, and it's just endless caption boxes. And you can't keep track. Yeah, yeah I couldn't was, keep track at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, though, really impressed with Daniel's work, uh, especially the effort he put into giving each character distinct facial features. Did the Huntress look way younger to you? Uh, not that I really noticed. Has she been de-aged? No, she's a different character, remember? she's Oh, that's right. Uh, she's the lady from Spiral. That is right. I totally forgot. Finally, the title's regular creative team of Pete Tomasi and Doug Mankey take us on a tour of Batman's rogues gallery, which also serves as a brief introduction to the Arkham Knight. A video game character. Eh, whatever. I mean, he looks really cool. Yeah. He looks really cool. But I couldn't handle the Batman. Say it fast. Batman. Batman. What do you hear? Batman. 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 I was like, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's only a handful of pages and, right. and we barely get any story. With that said, Doug Mankey's art was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Holy smoking, it was good. It was. 
Uh, like any book with this much content, some of the stuff will be a bit of a miss, but this issue packs in a ton of great stories, the equivalent of five comics. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, for a pretty decent price. You're not going to get five comics for 10 bucks in this day and age. I did not love everything, but I still found a lot to enjoy in Detective 1000. I think it's a fitting celebration for the character's diamond anniversary. Sure. I had to look that up. Uh, I'm giving it a buy it. I'm giving it a buy it as well. This was just a good 1000 issue. You you have to expect this stuff. It's part of the deal. It can't just all be things that are happening in the book right now. And yeah, and I was totally like, I had no problems at all with some of the stories no. being in a hazy place. Yeah, a retrospective like, or future look or whatever. That's what you do here. They did a great job of it. It was a lot of fun. Huge buy it. So that is a double buy it. Four, Detective Comics, 1000, the 80th birthday of the Batman. Of course, we want to know what you nerds thought of Detective Comics, 1000, Batman's birthday. So send us your pictures of you sitting down for birthday cake with a little paper Batman plates and Batman cake and bat candles, you little, know. Little hats. It's adorable. Yeah, little bat hats. Yeah, and yeah. And stuff like that. You and just wear two hats. Oh, yeah, that works. That, that stick out the hat. It's not horns, though? It's more like horns. You're doing it wrong. Regardless, we want to know what you thought. Look, I'm Batman on a budget, Matt. Let us know. Matt, come in. What is it? I got him in the middle of something here. Mortal Hulk features the return of Rick Jones and nerds are losing their damn minds pre-ordering the comic for up to 125 bucks on eBay. How many do we order? None. We didn't order any. We've been reading everything digitally and... Damn it, man! Get a hold of yourself! I'll get the Moloid away team in kid disguises and send them to Legend to start camping out. You call occasional guest host Dave DeMarco. We've got another problem, I'm afraid. Now is the part of the show where we're supposed to be reviewing eight more of this Wednesday's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round! Damn! Ludicrous Speed! Go! TNC. It is very dramatic. WWE WrestleMania Special number one from Boom. This is the third Boom WrestleMania Special, which is basically your WWE annual. And like the ones before, they've rounded up some real talent to revisit some iconic Mania moments. The book starts with Asuka versus Charlotte Flair from last year's Mania with art by Hee-Young Jin Kim. This guy is unreal talented. You're going to see more from him. Then we get a historical perspective on Kane versus Undertaker in Mania 14, and it's actually really fun. It's like this past story of Kane and Undertaker growing up in the funeral home and fighting and how Kane got his burns. The best story, though, was about the super kick heard around the world when Shawn Michaels beat Ric Flair in the Nature Boy's final WrestleMania match. This was just another great WrestleMania edition. That's not nice. He's an old man. No, he wasn't an old man at the time. It was way in the past. Mm. He was getting ready to retire. Mm. What? You don't be kicking old You don't man. know how this works, do you? He just got his ass kicked last week when he showed up. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is another great WrestleMania edition featuring creators writing a love letter to the biggest wrestling show in the world. Bye. Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, number one from Archie. Hot off the success of her Netflix show, Sabrina returns to comics courtesy of writer Kelly Thompson and artists Veronica and Andy Fish. Brother and sister. Yeah. Right? I guess. Okay. I think so. Sure. The story strikes a balance between the cartoony aesthetic of traditional Archie comics and their more mature horror series. It's right in line with the modern take on the characters created by Mark Wade and Fiona Staples. Thompson's script is really charming, and I loved the art by the fishes. Archie is putting out some really good books these days. Sabrina the Teenage Witch is one of them. Buy it. Marvel Rising, number one from... Marvel. There you go. I guess this is the return of Marvel Rising after last year's miniseries. I yeah. don't remember it. 
Not much happens in the book that probably couldn't have been in the Champions issue if the Champions decided to go visit a college for too many pages, only to be interrupted by Morgan Le Fay. <laughs> this was fine, and it was cute, but is a little too long to get to the action. And when the action did start, I had already pretty much lost interest. I really enjoy the Champions title, but I felt like this felt like Champions Light. Yeah, but this is like... This is Marvel's answer to DC's superhero girls. It's a different line. See, now here's the other it's thing. A, it's aimed at a, a different age audience. I am all for more badass women in comics, but Marvel Rising felt like it needed less cute and more of the advertised girl power. It just wasn't really there, and they're running around with dudes, too. I don't know. It just seems like they missed the mark on this one, giving it a skim it. Mm. Dial H for Hero, number one from DC. Sam Humphreys and Joe Quinones bring us the next title in the Wonder Comics imprint, Returning the H dial to DC continuity in a fresh new way, young Miguel is the new bearer, a teenager who turned to thrill-seeking after a near-death experience and an encounter with Superman. I'm loving Humphreys' story so far. He's really, in, <clears throat> he's really leaning into the bizarre nature of the concept, and Joe Quinones' art is just incredible, completely shifting in midstream to a 90s throwback style when Miguel goes through his first transformation into... Monster truck. I got to read this. <laughs> Dial H for hero is a totally ridiculous concept that shouldn't work at all. And I love it. It's a buy it. Bad luck. Chuck, number one from Dark Horse. I was pleased to see this was not the continuation of the unfunny Dane Cook film. Good luck, Chuck. What, what happened to Dane Cook, by the way? Is he, he just, the world uh, spun up and threw him off? I guess, was, <laughs> I guess so. Here we'll meet Charlene Chuck Manchester, a private detective with superhuman bad luck. She's like the ultimate cooler, but instead of making lucky card players lose, she causes casinos to burn down. How this doesn't harm her, not really sure. Matt Dowsmith is on art, and he's doing his Michael Gayados thing and looking really good doing it. But outside of the character's power, I really didn't learn anything about her. That would make me care a whole lot about Chuck, so I'm giving it a skip. Black Widow, number three from Marvel. We missed out on reviewing the new Black Widow ongoing when it first launched, but now we're three issues in and something just isn't clicking for me. I don't know if it's Jen and Sylvia Saska's tendency to slip silly jokes in the middle of the script, like a guy asking about Angry Birds when his cronies get a notification about the new show on the torture porn website Natasha is trying to shut down. That's totally inconsistent. Hmm. Uh, or if it's Flaviano's way, way overly rendered art. Black Widow isn't really bad per se, and I think the character can definitely support her own series when handled well, but this isn't really doing it for me. I'm giving it a skim it. Glow, number one from IDW. When we first reported on Glow coming to IDW, I said it was going to be a hard one to translate from the smart and funny Netflix series, but writer Tiny Slayer Howard and artist Hannah Soros Rex Templar, sorry, <laughs> nailed it. This was smart, funny, and a little more cartoony version of the show but the writing humor was very true to the tone of the Netflix show. Templar's art captured the girls perfectly. Glow number one was a pleasant surprise, and it gets a buy it. Star Bastard, number one from Scout Comics. Star Bastard follows a long-suffering mercenary crew as they stumble through the universe under the clumsy command of the loud, obnoxious, and invulnerable Captain Greaves. Dude can't be hurt. Searching for clues to Greaves' shadowy past, they leave a trail of lizard bounty hunters, angry alien empires, and unpaid bar tabs in their wake. This was a surprisingly fun, foul-mouthed romp featuring a ragtag crew of degenerates. I love that shit. It's right up there with, like, space truckers. It's going to be a romp. It better be foul-mouthed. That's right. <laughs> 
really funny script by Andrew Clemson with excellent artwork by Jethro Morales. I'm looking forward to reading more about the crew of the Ghost Huffer and their idiot captain, the Ghost Huffer. It's <laughs> a good one. Star Bastard number one gets a buy it. That is your ludicrous speed round and foomp. I think it's more fun. Yeah. All right, I'll buy it. Is the sound of making his escape from the Cape Crusader as seen in the pages of Batman 67. This onomatopoeia was submitted by the ever-fateful Anno Sionis via the THN Facebook fan page. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can redact it our way, or you can just hit us up on any of our social media or shoot us an email to two-headed-nerd at gmail.com. This week, we've been summoned to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where the wizard Shazam is demanding the small amount of power that he lent us back and kind of being a real jerk about it. Says the guy that used the wisdom of Solomon to create a dedicated torrented Plex server and pointed his VPN to the Rock of Eternity. I can't believe how fast they got the letter from their ISP, but the good news is... How did he even get up there? We still had enough time to use the power to make our must-read picks for next week, Joey! My pick is Marvel Team-Up, number one from Marvel Comics, written by Eve Ewing, with art by Joey Vasquez. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Who's Eve Ewing? She writes Ironheart. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Uh, here's your solicit. The classic Marvel Team-Up returns! After a science demonstration at Empire State University goes awry, Ms. Marvel and Spider-Man find themselves tangled up in the same chaotic adventure. Is it destiny or disaster? Oh. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love Marvel Team Up. I do too. I love it. I do too. And it doesn't sell for shit. No, it doesn't. And I'm glad. I'm glad Miss Marvel's getting a shot here. But Miss Marvel already has a book, and I would rather we see somebody weirder with Spider-Man. You well, know, like throw some of these B-list characters. Traditionally, or- Marvel Team Up was about a single central character. Uh, yeah, so it was usually Spider-Man. It was Spider-Man it? back in the day. Yeah. Um, subsequent attempts. I think the most recent one, Kirkman did a Marvel team up. If you remember that mm-hmm. when he was at Marvel? Yeah. Um, I don't think it had a set. No, they just cast. kept putting people together. I agree. I, I mean, I do think it would be nice to spotlight some lesser characters, but right. it's the first issue. I like Miss Marvel a first lot. First issue. There's a lot of Miss Marvel out there right now. There's one thing. There's one. There's Miss Marvel. Marvel. There's a champion. So oh, she was just in the Marvel Rising book that's running as well. So that's okay. three concurrent books. This will be four. Four. And I'm probably missing one How or two. How many Batman books are there? <laughs> Batman, Joe. Whatever. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be fun. I love the characters, and I have hopes for the series, like you said, that they... Ironheart's really good. They feature some... Yeah, I like the Ironheart characters. book a lot. Gave it a buy it. On this show. Not on that other show. This one. My bomb, what's your pick? My pick is War of the Realms, number one it from Marvel War Comics. War of the Realms. It's the toughest comic book you're ever going to read. It's written by Jason Aaron with art by Russell Dauterman. Here's your solicit. Asgard, Affelheim, Heaven... Jotunheim, Muspelheim, Niflheim, Nidler, Svartalheim, and Vamheim. All of the ten realms have fallen to Malkith and his army except one, Midgard, which is easy to say. Home to Thor's beloved humans, home to heroes and gods alike. Now, at last, it burns, and Thor won't even be there to see it. All hell breaks loose in New York City as Malekith and his allies begin their invasion. And the greatest heroes of the Marvel Universe watch as the Earth falls. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be totally nuts. It is going to be nuts. Nuts. Uh, I always thought it was my guard. My guard. I know. There's an extra D in there. Midgard. No, I know. I learned that, but I, as a kid, I always thought it was 
I just thought it was my garden. Oh, yeah. You're an idiot. I didn't read a lot of Thor back then. You were a dumb kid, is what you're saying? <laughs> I'm saying mistakes were made. I do want to do a question of the week. Your favorite comic book mispronunciations. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be a good one. Joe Patrick, what is our trade of the week? The THN trade of the week goes to Mira Tidebreaker. It is a trade paperback from DC Inc. I believe it's the first. What is DC Inc.? Oh, this is the original trade paperback thing. Yeah, they've got two new yes. lines. Uh, there's DC Inc., which is like young adult. Right. Uh, these are more like illustrated young adult novels. Novel kind of thing. Uh, and then DC Zoom, which is their all ages. Uh, this is written by Danielle Page with illustrations by Stephen Byrne. Stephen Byrne draws Wonder Twins. The dude is great. He's very good. It's 192 pages for $16.99. It's a book book. It's a book book. With a few pictures. With pictures. Okay. Here's your solicit. Princess Mira is teenage royalty and heir to the throne of Zebel, a colony ruled by the other not-so-lost land under the sea, Atlantis. Her father, his court, and the entire kingdom are expecting her to marry and introduce a new king, but Mira is destined to wear a different crown. When the Zebelian military plots to overthrow Atlantis and break free of its oppressive regime, Mira seizes the opportunity to take control of her own destiny by assassinating Arthur Curry. Whoops. What? What? The long-lost prince and heir to the kingdom of Atlantis. But her mission gets sidetracked when Mira and Arthur unexpectedly fall in love. Oh. Will Arthur Curry be the king at Mira's side, or will so. he die under her blade yeah, she's as she attempts to free her people from persecution? Uh, Spoiler. Some stuff. They yeah. get married. They get married. <laughs> Uh, so I think it's fun, and I think it's great that it's kicking off with Mira. Yeah. Uh, she is a fun character, and I think that this line is going to produce some really promising stuff. I'm curious to see how these sell. It's going to be tough to market. Well, it's a different audience. The yeah, young adult that's book market has a whole not, different kettle of fish. You're not marketing to comic book readers. You're marketing to young adult readers, and I don't know and how- And that industry is huge. It's massive. It really is, but it's also like just built on a different skeleton of ideas. I don't know if they care about comics. We'll have to see. We will see. So there you have our picks for Wednesday, April 3rd. But we want to know what you nerds are excited to read, too. Feel free to upload a torrent of your picks or just put us up on any of our social media platforms. But please make sure to add all your picks to your profiles. It's the easiest way to help your local comic shop triumph over evil. And always use a VPN on torrent. Always. Always. Nerds and loyal patrons, we are trying something new to add a little value to our Patreon campaign, and we wanted to give you a taste right here on the show. A couple weeks back, Brian Domingos, our god emperor of the THN forums, popped in on cover to cover and suggested, why don't you guys recap some older and universally reviled events? Surely somebody likes this. <laughs> Seeing as we don't have an original bone in our two-headed body, we seized on the idea and came up with a new Patreon-exclusive segment called Tales Too Terrible to Tell. I mean, the tales have already been told. Yeah, but they're the, too the terrible name doesn't to retell. Work. That's the thing. We, we, they were put in the vault. They're too terrible. No. Here's how it works. You suggest a terrible storyline from comics past, and Joe and I are forced to recap it by our secret shame, the ghost of the third head of this show that died chained up in the ziggurat basement. The basement baby. He calls himself the basement baby. <laughs> Stop it, man. So here now, we give you a taste of a new show that you can have access Check. That you can have access to for the low, low cost of just $5 a month. It's doing that thing. 
away at the basement, baby. Joe and Matt's dirty secret. You see, I was their third head, but they left me to die in the bowels of the ziggurat, chained up, helpless. And there I did die, but I came back, and now I punish them monthly. With your help, of course, this month, a devious bastard named Brian Domingos has chosen Batman War Game, a terrible, terrible 24-part series written by a bunch of nobodies. They're going to hate it. But they will be forced to review these comics as payment for their betrayal of the basement, baby. <laughs> He was Ghosts don't get old, Matt. Yeah, but I mean, he was he's the ghost of who he was when he died. So he was a dude. Oh. It's creepier because he calls himself the basement baby. Oh, it's just icky. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Icky. icky, creepy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like calling a grown man daddy. We have to go all the way back to 2004 for this bat epic. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it's epic. We present to you 24 goddamn issues. Of War Game! I've never been so angry at Brian Domingos. We begin with Batman, the 12 cent adventure. This was like, I don't know what they're going for here. They were like hearkening back to the golden uh, age. They did this uh, They did this a couple times at DC. There was like the the Superman, the 10 cent adventure. Right. Then the, you know, inflation and yeah. went up to 12. <laughs> uh, but Superman, the 10 cent adventure, I believe also kicked off some big event. Uh, yeah. Oh, I forget what it may have been uh, the very bad Brian Azzarello, Jim Lee Batman run, which would be a great candidate for this. Uh, yeah, segment. Be a, that would be a really good one for this one uh, for tomorrow. It was called. Oh, that's right. Oh, it's yeah. terrible. Our friend and long forgotten writer, Devin Grayson writes this. She ain't one. no friend of mine. <laughs> Along with Ramon Box on art. And yeah, Ramon Box. It's bad. His art. I didn't think the art was that bad. It's bad. I mean, here's the thing about war games. Uh, there are a lot of names that pop up during the course of this right. event that you will remember, I that you will recognize. And, and you'll be like, wait a minute, that guy's really good. At this time, they were not they were, necessarily they were really getting good. Their, they were getting their feet wet. They were fledgling. Yeah, fledgling, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> we open with Stephanie. Who's Spoiler. Spending the entire issue, she's watching a gang meeting and narrating in cursive that is written so tightly I could barely yeah, read it. Yeah, it was difficult. I hated it. Yeah. All gangsters. This, this whole thing was... Very bad lettering. Oh, God, yeah. Terrible lettering. Some of the worst lettering ever. And packed full of thoughts and narration. Yeah. And, like, we couldn't just tell the goddamn story. We had to get in everybody's head. Like, yeah. Ugh. So Stephanie's watching this meeting where all the gangsters in in Gotham show up. Literally everyone. They had a Z-list. Uh, they also all have, like, Z-list bodyguards, like Zeiss. I mean, they were big time at the time. <laughs> I suppose. Deadshot was there, right? Orpheus shows up with Onyx. Mr. Fun is there. I don't remember Mr. Fun at all. Hellhound. Hellhound, I vaguely remember as a Nightwing villain. who was yeah, yeah. out of the... the Green Arrow, right? Yeah. Oh, no, that was a crossover between Green Arrow, Green Arrow and, and Batman, Batman. And, yeah. and Nightwing. Maybe. Which was awesome. And the only one that I recognized, which was Deadshot. Yeah. Ventriloquist is there and still doing that super annoying thing where he couldn't say words that start with B correctly because yeah, the dummy was damaged. And so no, it wasn't because the dummy was damaged, Matt. It's because when you throw your voice, you can't pronounce certain... Oh, no, I thought, Hard sound. I thought the dummy actually got damaged. The no. sound does not come out of the dummy. No, I, but here's the thing. I get, well, hold on, hold that thought. 
Because we I get mean, to he a throws point, his voice. That's we what get to a point later means. where the dummy's mouth is moving and it's not on the ventriloquist's hand and it's still talking. Well, we don't know that the dummy's mouth is moving because it's a static I image. I suppose that's true. Yeah. But no, I distinctly remember the dummy didn't always talk like that. It got damaged because it got shot or something. And then all of a sudden, all the bees became G's. Because like the ventriloquist ah, looked at him like, no. he's injured. He doesn't sound like it. would be like, curse you, Gatman. Okay, Goss, let's get out of here. Like, oh, so <laughs> I dumb. always just thought it was a ventriloquism thing where it's no. like you just no. have to fake it for some Because later on, when he gets a new dummy, he doesn't do it anymore. That's gone. Now, like, that BG thing is gone. All right, all right. This ain't the history of the ventriloquist. Okay, so while watching the meeting, Stephanie mentions Batman fired her ad nauseum because she had just been Robin and Batman For five whole minutes, yeah, she was Robin. But why did Batman can her? I can't remember. Um, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. She was a girl. Yeah, he hates women. He hates girls. Whoa. So she talks about how Batman fired her. She talks about how she gave birth and then she resets Batman's relationships with the first three Robins for no reason. Just like goes through. I mean, I think the idea was that, you know, somebody's picking this up because it's 12 cents. Right. I suppose. And they're like, here's a little bit of history of Batman. Right. But like she forgets Jason Todd and then she's like, Oh, I almost forgot the one that died. Like, how did you almost forget the one that died? (laughs) His, his costume is on display in the fucking Batcave. Sure, right. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so Catwoman shows up for no reason. And she's like, what are you doing here? And Stephanie is trying to play it cool. But secretly, Stephanie set up this. Oh, meeting. but we don't find that out until later. No, we don't. No, no, we'll find that out later. Yeah. And Catwoman's like, we should probably get out of here. It's bad news. The meeting immediately breaks down into a gang war. Yeah, so one of them. Instantly. <laughs> one, of them is, one of them is reaching for a lighter or something. And of course, they're like, he's going for his gun. And yeah. they just open fire. Yeah. And then everyone is shooting at everybody. Pretty much. Just like that. And Stephanie freaks out. She's like, it's my fault. I'm an idiot. And she's like, I got to stop it. And she goes to like, I don't know what she thinks she's going to do, but she thinks she's going to jump down and stop the gunfight. Right? right. You're right. And, and Catwoman's like, uh, no. And Catwoman's like, no, get out of it. No, we're leaving. The end. Yeah. End of the Batman 12 cent adventure. We move on to. What was this? It was it called War? The first one was called uh, something Act One. I can't remember. Tides? No, Tides is the second one. Outbreak. 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 Ugh, that's something weird. Outbreak Part Two, Detective Comics, seven hundred ninety-seven, written by Anderson Gabrick. Anderson Gabrick, yeah. Who we was never seen again. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they and put his feet faded in, into the ether, in concrete, and they threw him in the bay. Might not, <laughs> might not even be a real person. Might <laughs> yeah. just be a pseudonym for some other writer. Could be. I doubt it. Art by Pete Woods, but yeah, not fresh face Pete Woods. Not the Pete Woods that you know. I thought it was still pretty decent. I thought it was fine. I can't remember what the deal was, but back in, during this time. Batman was still supposed to be an urban myth. Right, yeah. Nobody, nobody, or Batman's, Batman's uh, existence was a rumor. Right. Even though he was in the Justice League. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and the Justice League is like all over the like, news. Uh, like, they want to say, at, at some point, they're like, we got the first on-camera footage well, of we'll Batman. We'll but I'm just, But yeah. I'm saying like. Nobody ever had any camera footage of the Justice League fighting Despero no. or Starro nope. or whoever. Nope. It was never in the news. There was like, like bigger shit going on. Yeah. Apparently. Like, uh, well, the president lines, had an affair. Lines around the door for the fish fry this week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. People are walking around saying like they'd catch a glimpse of him and they're like, I knew he was real. Like, oh, God. Yeah. But, it's like you said this before we started recording, but there's no way that people that actually live in Gotham City think Batman is fake. No. 
So Batman. You've seen the Batmobile right. carooning around the yeah, city streets. Speeding through the streets. <laughs> Batman reveals that all the Gotham crime bosses got a letter to show up at the meeting in the last issue that led to the massacre of the, all the nameless gangsters yeah. that we don't care about. These are like, we know there's crime families. And, yeah. But in this one, they introduce the idea like there's a Russian crime family, there's an Asian crime and family. And I think that if you had been reading the Batman books up to this point, that would be more familiar to you. Maybe. Because I read, I read the, um, the first, I read the trade of the uh, Ed Brubaker Batman issues. Right. And he introduces like um, Lou Moxon, uh, who was a big time one. Okay. Who was yeah. Like, yeah. Because they kept many, they kept seeing these yeah. family names, and it was like we never saw these fucking families again. Yeah, we've seen them. We've this seen is them. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, they're definitely not like they're not no. names that you would ever remember. There's like a Latin gang. Everything is extremely split by race. Yeah, <laughs> as well, far as well, I can sure. Tell. Yeah, okay. like in prison. If you happen to be a loyal patron of these murderous fools. For the low, low price of $5 a month, of course, you'll be able to hear the rest of the ridiculous, punishing review of War Games as a part of Tales Too Terrible to Tell, only on the THN Patreon. <laughs> this is the Basement Baby signing off. Exhaust! That is it for THN 524. And our notes for 525 are blowing around the fields of Niflheim somewhere, I believe. Joe, we got to know a dwarf or two that can bring these things back to us. Otherwise, we don't have a show. While we look into that, why don't you read these nerds a new question of the week? Well, you're the Ziggurat's lead dwarf wrangler, so get on it. But Niflheim isn't where the dwarves live. That's Muspelheim? No. Muspelheim is like hell. Yeah, that's where the, uh, that's where the fire guys live. Uh, Svartalheim. Svartalheim. Yeah. yeah. I don't know who lives in Niflheim. Elves. It's elves. gotta be elves. Yeah. I think it's no, yeah, the elves yeah. are in Niflheim. What elves, right? The good ones. There's all there's elves all over the dang place. Yeah. They're all jerks. <laughs> this week's elves elves are known jerks. Yeah, and if you like playing an elf in D D, you might be a jerk too. Mm. Think about that. Mm-hmm. This week's question is inspired by Agzilla from the forums and our buddy Chase Magnet. Now that Captain Marvel has built a firm bridge between the Earth-based and the cosmic MCU, what other heroes would you like to see in a cosmic solo film? Bug. Bug's a good one. I love Bug. (laughs) If you're new to this show and you want to break open a beehive and unleash it in the ziggurat to shut our stupid, stupid mouths, I assure you it's only because you haven't heard enough of it. The good news is, you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital longbox archive at twoheadednerd.com. But hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap, folks. So we want to thank donors like Tim Mayer, who's still keeping our old PayPal button alive. I don't know if he knows how to actually make reoccurring payments. I mean, it's a reoccurring payment. He's not, like, literally going in. and. Oh, see, I just pretend every month he's like, time to send him more money. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's how he does it. Yeah, I don't my, know. That's my Tim Mayer impersonation. Before we hey, go. Hey, what's going on? Hey, go. Well, we've lost that donation. <laughs> Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Jolton Joe Sinnott, the legendary Marvel Comics artist and inker who announced his retirement at age 92. Son of a bitch. After an astonishing 69 years I in the comics he was industry. That old. He old. 
Sinnott made a name for himself inking Jack Kirby's Fantastic Four and has been working on the syndicated Amazing Spider-Man comic strip for the past 27 years. Damn. Word to you, Joe. Take a break. Crying you deserve out loud. It. It's your golden years, man. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just take a crap on your retirement. This is a two-headed nerd starting off. Why am I so mad? Uh, be- because <laughs> the comics industry is built to uh, not support it's true. Our titans of industry there, there are into no their golden years. 401k. Which is probably why Joe Sinnott had to work until age 92. It's probably true. So, that's not a joke. Sorry. <laughs>